again. Today I'm chatting to Nigel Blair. He is a director, operator and business entrepreneur with over 25 years of experience. He has broad industry expertise and global market knowledge having operated in the UK, Australia, Asia and the USA. Having recently come back from living five years in China, I discussed with him the differences between Victorian and Beijing shopping and recycling, his businesses and how he works to reduce his plastic for not only himself, but for others. And here he is. Hi Nigel, great to have you here today. How's it going? I'm really good, thanks Lauren. Nice to be here. Very good. Now would you be able to tell me a bit about yourself and what you do? Yes, so I've been lucky enough to live overseas and work overseas for a lot of my life and uh, recently I spent five years living in mainland China in Beijing. Okay. Returned in 2000, late 2018 and now living back in Melbourne. So my business have been, you know, a little bit diversified, but uh, one particular company at the moment where I'm working on is a company that grows fresh food and fresh produce called eAgri. Okay, could you tell me a bit more about that company? Yeah, so eAgri was basically conceived when I was based up in China and I was looking at how the impacts of pollution affect what people are eating. And I realised, given I grew up on the farm, that, you know, I had access to all sorts of fresh produce and it was clean rain off the roof and we were catching that in the rainwater tanks and unfiltered and we were drinking it. And the vegetables off the farm and the meat off the farm, well, it was all grown in a fairly safe uh, environment. Contrast that to mainland China where you get up and the fog in the morning is pollution. Um, yeah and it's quite thick. So because of those issues in China, it got me thinking about what are people eating. So when you have a, uh, on the fast train up there, you're going through the, the vast um, landscape and you see all these farmers and they're growing their vegetables in the open, yet they're growing it with polluted water, polluted air, polluted soil. So that was really when I started to think about how can you create something that takes away those elements. So you've been faced with the challenges of pollution. Has this led you to think about greenhouse gas and plastic pollution in horticulture as well? Yes, so greenhouse gas emissions is one of them. Um, there's a whole series of things that go into horticulture. Uh, so this is a vertical farm horticulture um, business and there is a whole list of things. So energy consumption, water usage, treatment of water, use of CO2. So in actual fact, when you get into growing of plants, they're taking in CO2 and giving off oxygen. So mm. in the plant world, if you put more CO2 in, you can actually make the plant grow bigger. So, and that's a proven method of growing uh, in horticulture, particularly in the Netherlands and uh, places where there's sophisticated growing. Okay, I did not know that. <laughs> um, so I was wondering whether this business works to cut down plastic as well. Yeah, so apart from looking at the, the energy, the water, uh, one of the things that we've had a close look at is in relation to how you package products. When you think about it, you, you go into a grocery or a supermarket and you see all those fresh foods sitting there open, but what you're doing is at the end packaging them. You're, you're taking a bag to put them in or you're um, packaging them up 
you'll see this on the shelves where they're in a, a smaller pack um, produce so people can just pick up that pack and take it home with them. So when you look at what's really going on in those supermarkets, there is a massive amount of packaging. I mean, every product has typically some level of packaging. In the fresh vegetable area, for us, so we started to look at what type of plastics. So for example, there are some, uh, some products that look like plastics, but they're made out of uh, uh, prawn, prawn shells. Prawn shells? Yeah. I haven't heard of that one. I've heard of beans, I think. Or what type of cover is probably a better description could you use to package up the products themselves in a more um, eco-friendly way? So we looked at everything from using uh, products that were organic. So there's a whole series of different ways you can package produce. Um, the, the typical way is to use a standard uh, plastic um, that, that you see, and, and that's pretty much everywhere. But through our investigations, what we did find was uh, a particular product that um, it, it had a sugar base and it was clear. One of the problems when you're thinking it from a customer end, when I go to buy a vegetable, I want to see the vegetable. Yeah, you want to know that it's okay. Yeah, and you want to know it's mm. fresh. And, and people do that by two significant senses. One is their eyes, they look to see. You see what you can eat. Uh, that's why you see the displays in the way they are. And the second way is through smell. So they pick it up sometimes and they will smell it. Mm. So, so what we had to do was consider what the consumer wants. Part of the problem with a lot of the organic-based products is that they are not clear. So what occurs then is the person who's coming into shop cannot necessarily see the product clearly. Yeah. So that becomes an inhibitor, if you like, for people to buy. You're trying to also change the manner in which they buy at that point. So what you need to do is not try and change the manner in which they buy, but give them something that's organic, but they can then buy and see the fruit and, uh, and take it away. So we scoured the globe and we found a group in the UK um, who actually produced packaging uh, for fresh fruits and fresh vegetables that was compounded off a sugar base and was compostable. What we've done is within our entire operational stream and planning is incorporate that particular product into the overall system. So when you grow the produce that comes through, it grows, it goes to the picking area and then it would naturally go to the packaging area. Challenges that where we have combined uh, this organic based packaging to to then be shipped out to the supermarket or the wholesaler. And do you believe this might be the next step to plastic reduction in Australia or do you think we need something beforehand? So I think organic based packaging is something that most companies should be looking at. The, uh, the cost of some of the organic based packaging is higher therefore it's difficult for some of the companies who are on smaller margins to migrate to this new updated packaging. And will that change the price of products in the store as well? 
Yeah, it may, and, and you might see a higher price. For us, it doesn't, but for some companies who are perhaps not operating on the same basis, then I could see if they were trying to incorporate this into new systems, their packaging cost would be higher. But that's quite normal when you have new products coming on, new systems or new packaging techniques. As scale grows, then there's a shift in the volume of manufacturing and then the pricing will reduce. So it's just a case of time. What you'll see is the curve on pricing come down over time. Yep. So I guess what you could say is that you're sort of changing the way we see plastics from an industry point of view and giving consumers more options when it comes to hygienic ways to shop packaging. Would this be correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, really, it also just comes back to the point that when you put that packaging out, you don't have to put it in the yellow bin, which is your, that's where your um, plastic packaging goes for recycling. It means you can put it in your compost bin. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that has a significant uh, variation on how you're dealing with plastics in the house for that particular type. You know, I think of all the strawberry containers, uh, 250 grams of strawberries, mm. um, things like that. Blueberries are the same. There's a particular type of packaging. Now, they're going straight in the yellow bin versus going into the compost bin. So that would be a significant change. Now, do you believe that you shop fairly sustainably? And by this, I mean, are you cautious of plastic packaging when you shop or do you just go buy whatever is available? Yeah, so it's a, it's a good question. I think... It depends on the product, you know, it starts with the product because if, for example, uh, like everybody else, you've got a particular brand and a particular favourite product that you grew up with, you tend to buy that. You don't tend to be too focused on the packaging, right, at the time. But on the other hand, when it comes to things like fruit and vegetables, certainly I've shifted my habit from putting individual bags of pears, individual bags of apples into one bag each to, I don't need a bag anymore. I just put them all in the basket. Yeah. And uh, then I have one big bag at the end at the checkout and I put them all into that bag, yeah. which is a bag that I bought and I'm continually using. So, so I think yeah, I certainly have changed what I was doing when I was growing up to where I am now to try and cut down the use of plastics. So I definitely have noticed that older generations tend to continue using plastic bags and they'll continuously put you know multiple apples in a bag and they'll claim it's for um, bin use or you know they're going to use it again or something like that but after that it just goes straight into the bin it's gone. Yeah. Like that's it. So I guess it's good to hear that you've sort of changed that because I don't know not many people are changing that habit because yeah, they've got rid of thing. the plastic bags at checkout they're like well what am I going to do now correct and, and it is a simple thing to change and when you think about it why do you need to put each fruit in a different bag I mean it really only applies when you're putting it on the checkout counter mm. um, but then the scales and so on these days you can just place them there individually and then move them into a complete bag I mean I, and when you get home you put them in your fruit basket or however you're doing it individually anyway so yeah you don't really need all those plastic bags, is my view. So do you also find you're buying a lot secondhand to ensure longevity of plastics, or is it yeah, not really a Yeah, so, you know, for example, with toys. Toys is a good one. 
we often um, like using the toy library, for example. Okay. Or the local fate might have some second-hand toys that are in good condition, so you'll go to local fate and you'll buy them. It doesn't necessarily mean every time you have to go out and buy a brand new toy. The other thing is that there's a lot of toys these days, for example, that have wooden toys. Yeah. You know, so which is more a sustainable versus uh, plastic toys. So I, I think, again, the leaning would be buy more a sustainable type toy if you're going to buy it versus, you know, the, the heavy duty plastic yeah. brick, so to speak. And it lasts longer and, you know, it's reusable, all of that. Yeah. You pass it on to another kid when they're done. Yeah, exactly. So you did mention earlier that you lived in China for a bit of time. Mm -hmm. I was wondering how you shopped there and whether it was different to how you might shop here. Probably the main difference to shopping up there is and where I lived in China, in the centre of Beijing, was fairly unique. And I mean that in the sense that it was a relatively wealthy area. It had wonderful fruit shops and it had fruit shops that had a lot of imported food. So the tendency when I was up there was to look for a lot of the imported food. So I could buy Australian milk. Okay. I could buy, you know, fruit being imported from California, cherries and so on. So it tended to be that we would buy fresh fruit that was imported or milk, like I said, or, or things like that, which were all imported. We did have you know, local meals and so on, but the, the reality is that we weren't going down to the local farmer's market to buy produce. And, and the driving driver behind that was because we knew that um, there's heavy metals in the soil, we knew that there was a lot of air pollution and we knew um, the water was polluted. So we deliberately avoided that and tried to, to buy selectively. But again, we were lucky because where we live, we had access to it. So it was a bit harder to buy locally, I guess. It's not harder to buy locally. You can yeah. find it. You know, that's not a problem. There's plenty of places you can buy. It's more knowing where it's produced and how it's produced and the exposure to the pollution was more the issue. Um, yeah, so having knowledge. But the, the difference is we had a choice. And a lot of people don't have the choice. That's, that's the difference. So do you believe that Australia might take a leaf out of Beijing's book on plastic reduction or do you think it should go the other way around? Yeah. Look, there's a couple of ways you can answer this. Um, so China continues to go through many, many changes. When I was living up there, you could see the changes and positive changes into how they treated the environment. They have, for example, planted, I think, more trees than anybody else in the world in the last five years to create forests and reforestation of massive tracts of land. When it comes to the, the plastics and the recycling, they were behind. When I first got there, it was one bin meets all. So there's no real recycling process going on. Yeah. Um, but by the time I'd left there, uh, they had bins for different products broken down and they would have cameras on it and they would monitor who put what where. Okay. So it was very strict. Well, it became strict and um, 
even in, and, and they have a thing up there called social credits. Mm. So social credits are basically earned by doing the right thing. And uh, they monitor that. So if you cross the road when the light's green, then that's a negative on your social credit. If you put your rubbish and don't break it into now recycling and so on, that's a negative on your social credit. So, so they do things in a different way. And I would say now they're becoming um, significantly more advanced. They've probably passed where Australia is now, but not in all areas. Because in uh, China, you find that there are advanced cities and there are less advanced cities and, and advanced um, in different ways as well. But to answer, coming back to the question about um, uh, the environment and the use of plastics. So China, about two, three years ago, banned the importation of plastics. There was a lot of plastics, a lot of waste being exported from Australia, its own rubbish, into China. That's right. It was really big in the media not long ago. That's right. Mm. So that happened about two years ago. Yeah. But then what Australia decided to do was, well, we need to get rid of our rubbish. So we decided to send it to Southeast Asia. So into Indonesia and places like uh, Philippines and, and, and so on mm. in Southeast Asia. Well, now that hasn't worked <laughs> because now they've got too much of our rubbish that they've decided that we can't take more, more of your rubbish. So Australia, I think, needs to take a step back, look at how it's dealing with its own waste and treat that in a way that manages its, its environment rather than pushing that off to another country's problem, even if they're willing to pay a little bit to take that waste. It seems like I've got a long way to go, <laughs> honestly. I, I think Australia, yeah, does some really good stuff, but also it does some pretty silly stuff. Yes. That's yes. my observation. <laughs> now, I wanted to go back to you and just what you think about a zero-waste lifestyle. Would you ever attempt it, and do you think you could maintain it? Do you know what a zero-waste lifestyle is? Uh, basically, my understanding of a zero-waste lifestyle would be that uh, you're, you're not putting waste back into the environment. Yeah. Basically. Basically, yeah. Lifestyle. You're upcycling be... and recycling and you're not taking in plastic, which is sort of the main contributor to that. Co correct. I, I, think, I don't think we'll be, as a household, <laughs> um, it's, it's always a balance uh, in terms of uh, waste versus practicality of things. Yeah. I would like to be back, ultimately, uh, living off, off the grid uh, with my own rainwater tank, uh, with my own vegetable garden, yeah. uh, and uh, with a couple of cows, and uh, not having to go to the local supermarket whatsoever. Right? Do I think that's a reality living in downtown you know, suburbia in Melbourne? No. No, no, not at all. So, so I think that um, if the option come up, 
where you can get it to a, a neutral position, I think I'd look at definitely at those options. Whether I can make it quite there, I, I don't think so at this point. Yeah. I think there's... Um, I, I also think that there is certain developments that will be coming through which will reduce the impact on the environment further. And a lot of this will come out of things like material science. Big groups like BASF, who is a, a global pe- a chemical group, but those sorts of groups who spend billions of dollars every year on R&D, they will be ne- developing the next generation of, of product here. Now I've got my last question. So if you were to encourage people to cut down on their plastic usage mm-hmm. and shop for more, I guess, sustainable options, what would you say? I'd say go back and just look at the practical things that you can do not to impact on your lifestyle because there are many things basic things you can do which you can um, uh, means that you'll treat the environment better i think that's the best thing and it comes back to little things even like you don't need so many bags to pick up your fruit Hmm. it's just doesn't make sense Um, (laughs) so so there's things like that you know go for a bike ride maybe or ride somewhere instead of jumping in the car all the time yeah. You know, so there's some basic practical things that are actually good for you to do and good for the environment as well. Fantastic. Well, I think that's all we have time for. So thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. It's great hearing about your working to achieve that change from industries downwards. So I really hope to get to see where that goes. Thanks, Lauren. Nice talking to you as well. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too.